Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Hope you are doing well, staying safe, and being healthy out there. And on this episode of the podcast, we will be heading to the desert, talking with Arizona Diamondbacks beat writer for The Athletic, Zach Buchanan. Because the Diamondbacks, I mean, they have a... They have some situations going on, especially uh, with their starting pitcher, their best starting pitcher on the team. No offense to Madison Bumgarner um, supporters. I am one of them, but let's face it. Madison isn't what he was during that World Series run. That just isn't who he is anymore. Uh, Hopefully he can get back to that. He's been tweaking with some mechanics. Talk with Zach about that. But the other Zach, Zach Gallen uh, over there in Arizona, having some injury problems, and I am not happy. I am not happy because for those of you that know me and uh, have heard me over the last two to three weeks, hell, maybe even a month, (laughs) maybe even a month, and and I don't even know if I brought this up at all on the podcast. Maybe I did just once, uh, and you had to be really listening to, to, to catch it. But I had a situation for my for my fantasy team again, we're, we're, we talk fantasy a little bit on this podcast uh, because I, I love fantasy sports. I love baseball, so naturally I'm playing fantasy baseball. It just it just goes with me. But over the last month, I have been trying to decide if I wanted to keep Brandon Belt or Zach Gallen, and. It literally took me five minutes to the deadline of me submitting that, that keeper list. I had Brandon Belt locked in there for, you know, all, all, all the time until the final five seconds. And I switched over to Zach Galen or Gallen. I don't even know how to say his last name. Galen, Gallen. Everyone says Gallen, Galen. I don't, I don't know. Zach over there in Arizona. Not to be confused with Zach Buchanan, but Zach Gallen, Galen, Gallen. Ended up going with him. And what happens? <laughs> he gets injured. And thankfully, I mean, it's not as bad. Because uh, I, I thought it was going to be Tommy John. I was, I was freaking out. So we're, we're going to find out what exactly it is Maybe Zach Buchanan has a a time frame as to uh, when Zach can return to the mound. Uh, but that kind of shakes things up a little bit for the Diamondbacks. So do they lean on Madison Bumgarner now? Uh, what what is their uh, what's their strategy in the starting pitching? And then their offense, I mean, has some questions. Eduardo Escobar being one of them. Um, he did not look great last year. Came in just out of shape it, it, it was bad uh so we'll see how he's doing in 2021 spring training we'll check in with zach buchanan um but it's an early morning here in uh on, on a thursday i'm actually recording this a week to the day a week from today opening day is starting are you going out to the yard i will be there well, maybe not on opening day, but as as soon as I as soon as I get the opportunity, 
to uh, step into a big league ballpark. I'll be, I'll be there. Are you going to be there? I, I'm I'm excited uh, for the season to start. And man, did did it come up quick? I I'm getting all all giddy with excitement. Like I got butterflies in my stomach thinking about the return of baseball and the possibility of me going to the ballpark. I mean, are you guys feeling that as well? You're getting closer and closer. The buildup has been there. And, and, and to be honest, it's not a buildup of just a month, right? Because normally that's what it is. It's a buildup of a month from the beginning of spring training to opening day. It's a buildup of a month. You're getting excited. This is a buildup of a year plus, okay? It is not, from the moment that the Nationals won the World Series to now, that's well over a year. They won in 2019, if you don't remember. We're we're in 2021. That's two years, but I mean, obviously, it's not October 2020-21. So, it's not necessarily two years, but it's it's felt like ten years, to be honest. The buildup to this is just it, it it is eating at me. I cannot wait to get back to the ballpark. Are you guys ready for that as well? Uh hearing a lot of protocols being announced uh this past week on Twitter, um on Facebook, Instagram, or wherever social media platform you are on, uh we're seeing the protocols being thrown out there. Seeing some that are uh you know, uh, doing the pod thing. They're they're going uh, like twenty five percent capacity. I'm ready, man. I, I I am ready to get out to the ballpark. So hopefully you guys are as well. Um, we'll check in with Zach Buchanan coming up next here, talking about the Arizona Diamondbacks and the outlook of the season that they have. Because when when you look at the hierarchy of the NL West, where do the Diamondbacks fall? Where do they fall on that hierarchy? I mean, are they it's kind of it's kind of wonky, right? I mean, you know you have the the David and Goliath at the top. You have the 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 Dodgers and the Padres. That's who you have as your as your kings of the west, so to speak. And I hate to say it, but it's like you can't deny it. I mean, Dodgers are still probably the best team in baseball right now. I don't think that they've taken a a, a backseat at all. Um, teams have improved around the league, but I don't think that they're ready to to necessarily take that mantle away from the Dodgers. But hey, that's why we play the season. That's why we get into the into the playoffs to find out who the best team is at that moment in time. But then you throw in the Padres. It was bad enough having to deal with with the Dodgers. Now you throw in the Padres. Who the Padres don't bother me as much. And they're dealing with their injury problem of their own. They had uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. go out with a shoulder injury. It does look like he's he's getting back to normal. He's fine now. But, I mean, scary moment. You don't want to lose Tatis Jr. I mean, yeah, they have a solid team, solid rotation. They could probably get by. But you eliminate the best hitter in your lineup? That That is that is not something that that you want to have happen for the Padres. Diamondbacks and Giants fans, yeah, we're <laughs> we're not praying for injury, but anything to level the level the the playing field. But where do the Diamondbacks fall? Hell, I don't even know where the Giants fall. I think the Giants are kind of in that 
you know, the bottom, I think they're all kind of jumbled in there. I would put the Rockies probably at the bottom end of it just because they're a franchise that don't know what the hell they're doing. And maybe the Giants are a little bit, it's kind of like inching, inching back and forth between the Diamondbacks and the Giants. Maybe the Giants are a little bit above Diamondbacks. But is that me being biased? Probably. <laughs> Probably. But the Diamondbacks, they have their share of issues. Um, but we'll we'll talk with Zach, uh, Zach Buchanan about Zach Gallen. Coming up next, you're listening to Passion for the Pastime Podcast. All right, Walter here for Passion for the Pastime. And on this episode, we are heading back to the desert, not only for spring training, because spring training is actually uh, wrapping up. We're getting close to the beginning of the regular season, but we're going to the desert for someone that calls it home during the regular season, beat writer for the Arizona Diamondbacks for the Athletic, Zach Buchanan. Zach, how are you doing this morning? And thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I really appreciate it, and uh, a lot of stuff is going on uh, with the Diamondbacks, especially on the injury front. Zach Galen, uh, we'll get into all of that, but re- but really quick, man, I was looking over your uh, your Instagram and love the profile picture, by the way. And and how old is uh, is your is your baby? She is approaching eleven months. Oh, that's awesome, man! Awesome. Is that uh is that your first uh, first kid? It is, yeah, I, yeah. There's like, if you look at my Instagram, there's photos of almost nothing else. So, if we had a second kid, that kid would be pretty pissed, I think. <laughs> oh man! So, what, what was the what was the biggest adjustment for you? Um, and congratulations, by the way. I mean, coming up on a year, what was the biggest adjustment for you uh, being a new dad? Uh, you know, it's been weird because I became a dad in the middle of the pandemic, and uh, at the time there was no sports, um, and we were stuck at home, so there weren't a lot of adjustments. The, the biggest adjustment was, um, I think kind of learning to wrap my own schedule and things I had to do around kind of what she had going on when she was asleep, when she was awake, when she was eating, when she was happy playing. Um, and cause for the first nine months I was, I was at home with her pretty much every day, even, you know, during the season, and, uh, just kind of juggling things. It was very tricky and I had to figure out how to do that. Now she's in daycare and I can kind of reclaim a bit of a normal life, which is wonderful. But that was, that was the biggest adjustment, just figuring out like, okay, how do I continue to do things I need to do around the needs of this tiny little blob? <laughs> do, do you have uh, any, any advice? Um, Cause I, I don't have any kids of my own. I hope to uh, one day, but uh, not, not at this moment in time. You have any advice for me uh, going into the future? Uh, yeah, do sleep training with the baby as early as possible. I'm, I'm, I'm so serious. We did it and she was sleeping through the night by like two months and it's, it really helps you feel like you're not at your wits end all the time because you're you're able to get a full night's sleep too. All right. We'll do man. I'm noted. I'm writing that down right now on my notepad. Uh, for for when I have a a kid of my own one day, but congratulations, man! You're you're killing it, by the way, with uh with the profile picture. Um, th- did you like plan that as soon as you found out you were having a a, a baby with the with the Mando and uh and Baby Yoda, uh, costume for for I, w- I would assume Halloween, unless you guys walk around like that uh all the time. Uh, 
It, it was Halloween. I did not plan it before we had the baby. It, that was kind of like a, I think a, a month of October decision. And I spent uh, way too much money on it, but um, <laughs> it's still hanging in my closet. I mean, I'm never going to wear that thing again. And she's certainly never going to fit in the baby Yoda thing again, but it, it, I think it was worth it for the photo. Oh man. So are you, are you a big uh, Star Wars fan? I am. Yeah. Oh man. That that show is pretty awesome, right? Mandalorian. Yeah, it's, it's it's great. It tickles me in all the right the right spots. It, the way that the last Star Wars movie did not. Yeah, yeah, that's uh that's something I think that everybody can agree on was the uh, the most recent trilogy was not uh it, it didn't do it for me. It didn't do it for me. But man, Mandalorian that series and just the way I mean, no spoilers. I mean, and and, and obviously. If you haven't watched that show by now, I mean, what are you doing? Like, we've had a pandemic. You should definitely tune into The Mandalorian. No plug there at all. But it's just a fantastic show. Uh, but the way that it ended, oh my god! Like, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. The way that they uh, they made that final scene, like, it, it was, it was great. So I, I love Star Wars as well. Um, what, what was your, what's your favorite? Uh, Star Wars movie or or is it Mandalorian? I mean, I could th- you could throw that in there too if that's your favorite Star Wars uh thing that's been made. Oh, you know that's a tough question. Um, I'm not sure I'd elevate Mandalorian that high. I mean, it's it's, it's probably just got to be Empire Strikes Back. It's the best yeah. of the, all the films they've made. Um, but you can really kind of take that original trilogy as kind of a chunk. You know, it all fits together a certain way, and everything else kind of feels like star wars but not quite right right well we could talk star wars um all, all podcasts if we wanted to i, I love star wars uh but l- let's get into the baseball side of things and uh recently on your on your twitter i saw uh it was a reminder that 20 years ago uh, i believe it was yesterday or the day before that randy johnson and the bird did you remember that uh at all growing up you know i, I don't remember it like when it happened um, I grew up in Texas, so I just would have seen it on TV. Um, I mean, I was certainly sports conscious at that point in time, but uh, I, I don't remember exactly when I first saw the video. I mean, like a lot of us, like I, I know about Randy Johnson hitting the bird. Like I, I, I you know, you, you just you can close your eyes and imagine that that, that video, like at any point in time, just kind of conjure that up. You don't even need to go to YouTube. Um, but it, it was really fun to track down all those people and, and get their memories and just realize how much more there is to it than that kind of, you know, few milliseconds of that video, just with all the things going into that day and, and how that video became so famous. Yeah, that, uh, that, that by, by far the most bizarre sports moment still to this day, right? Even 20 years later. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some weird things that we're all forgetting, but uh, it's it's almost like the first viral sports moment, you know, that, you know, that it really lives on the internet. Um, it, there wasn't even YouTube back then. I think someone in the comments mentioned, like, I remember seeing this on E-Bombs World, which really takes you back a few eras of the internet ago. Right. Um, but it was like the first thing that, that you know, all of us had seen, um, and even if we can't remember where we first saw it, if we weren't there, and that's why I think it's 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 so unique. Yeah, it's it's something that is just ingrained. Like immediately, someone says, "Oh, Randy Johnson and the Bird," you know exactly what they're talking about. Like you, you can picture it in your head um, still to this day. I I I think that it's really uh, bizarre that that happened. Like 
and and of all people, Randy Johnson too, like taking a, a fastball. Man, that that was that was rough. But that was the pitchers of the past for uh, for Arizona. But let's talk about the the pitchers now, and mainly I want to get into Zach Galen. I mean, that's the big story out of spring training at the moment on the pitcher's side. Uh, what can you tell us about the injury, uh, any update, and any timetable as to when uh, Zach Galen can, can return to the mound? Yeah, they don't have a, a, a timetable for Galen yet, um, and the Diamondbacks are always – hesitant to put a timetable on anyone um, I, I think because they don't want to set up the expectation for the player and then it takes longer and now the player is frustrated um, although I'm sure that the player, all the players have some idea of how long the injuries are going to take to heal but the, the news was he, he played catch yesterday and I guess he did a drill kind of that they, they work on to throw over the bases and work on holding runners which is a good sign I mean he's not throwing at full intensity um, but he pitched through this thing twice and only felt it on his curveballs. It's a stress fracture of of uh, one of his forearm bones. Um, and so it's, it's just a very unique injury. There's not a lot of uh, – I can't think of anyone who's had an injury like this. At least it's a pitcher. And so they're kind of feeling it out as they go. What can he do without pain? And the, the more he can do without pain, they'll ramp up a little more. They haven't like shut him down completely from throwing, which is a good sign. But the, the longer he stays away from the mound and pitching in a game, it just adds that much more time on the back end to get him stretched out again to, to pitch in the regular season. So um, I would doubt that he's ready by the start of the season at this point, um, sh- short of some sort of miracle. And he feels great. They do a scan tomorrow and it's healed. Um, so he's going to miss some time, but it, it's probably not as serious as everybody feared when uh, they first said he had some forearm issues. Well, that's definitely some good news uh, for sure. How did how did the injury come about? I, I believe, it was it in the batting cages, like he was taking uh, BP? Yeah, he was taking BP, and he just didn't hit, didn't hit a ball flush. And, you know, it kind of, any of us who have gone to the cages and, and are not very good at baseball, you swing, you hit a, a ball kind of off the barrel, and it really just sends like a shockwave up your arm. He just kind of felt something then, and but it was a small pain. He didn't take much of it. Then he felt it, was, it remained a little sore, but when he threw, he didn't feel that much except for his curveball. So it wasn't something that was like really causing him a lot of pain. But after two starts and it didn't go away, he, he thought, okay, I need to say something about this and get it checked out. So it happens when he's taking a hit, uh, taking a, a an at bat. So the question now is the DH. I mean, where do you stand on that discussion? Because I mean, Diamondbacks are losing their their best pitcher um, due to uh, an at bat, right? In in the batting cages. So so where where do you stand on the on the DH discussion? You know, I'm kind of split on it. I, I do appreciate the the. The strategy not having the DH forces the manager to, to do in terms of pinch hitting and, and double switches and figuring out when the pitcher spot's coming up. But the, the reality is that for how, how often when a pitcher is hitting does anything notable happen? It's so rare. Most of the time, it's just a, you get like two throwaway at bats every game where you just know nothing's going to happen. This, this at bat is a waste. It's the worst thing when like, there's two outs, nobody on base, and the pitcher's up. Okay, oh, okay. well, what's the point? Might as well go get a snack right now because we're going to be going to commercial break soon. Um, and so the injury risk is another part of it that you don't want these guys getting hurt hitting. 
Um, Gallon wants the DH, not because he's worried about his health. Uh, he, he says there's injury risk with everything. Certainly pitching is a far more dangerous activity than standing at the plate and likely not hitting the baseball if you're a pitcher. Um, but he, he wants to stay in the game longer. He doesn't want to be pulled for a pinch hitter in the sixth inning because you know they're down a run and need some offense. So I, I do think that this is going to be going the way of the dinosaurs starting next season after they negotiate the, the new CBA. Um, but, you know, it's, it's probably just not worth the benefits of having it probably aren't worth the drawbacks. All right. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting dynamic. And just to hear uh, Galen, like the, the reason why he wants it out is uh, is not necessarily the 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 health and safety factor. It's the fact that he wants to go deeper into games. So that that uh, is is a big factor as well. So, as you say, the the strategy to it. Um, you know, you got guys on first and second, the pitcher coming up in the sixth inning might get pulled out, but he's pitching really well, you know, so that's the National League uh, way of thinking, and obviously we're in the National League, I'm a Giants fan, you uh, are covering the Diamondbacks, so we're accustomed to that strategy, and I've always felt that the National League, you know, manager-wise, I felt like because of that, they always had a leg up, like there there was, um, you know, a little bit more to go into it uh, thinking wise, uh, without the DH, because you had to, you know, all these double switches and when to pull the pitcher, and you had to have a really good feel on it. Um, but yeah, it seems like the the game is definitely going away from the DH. I did, I will say that I enjoyed it uh, a little bit last year. It was uh, nice to have that extra bat, especially for the Giants, uh, have the extra bat in the lineup. And I'm, I'm sure, um, how how did you feel about it last year being integrated uh, with the Diamondbacks? I mean, did did you did you like it? I mean, I didn't. I didn't notice it so much. I mean, I grew up in Texas, following the Rangers. That was my team. So, I, you know, I grew up with American League style baseball, um, and so I, I didn't notice it so much. What I noticed was I wasn't. I wasn't having to think along with the manager too much. You know, you mm-hmm. you still kind of be like, okay, hey, who are you going to leave this guy in for the seventh? Who do they have fresh in the bullpen? But before, you know, all throughout the game, you're thinking. Oh, is this the point you would want to pinch hit for this guy? Uh, which who who's on the bench that would be good in this situation against this pitcher? Would you do it right now? Would you save him for later? You're just thinking like that all throughout the game, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I I just noticed that I wasn't having to do that very much. You know, it was they, they didn't really have enough hitters to justify a full time DH position last. And so you weren't really having to play this game of matchups and stuff as much. It was just, okay, one through nine, one through nine, one through nine. And then maybe you think about pinch hitting in the eighth or ninth inning for a guy who's, you know, facing the same side of the pitcher. Um, so I, I noticed it and I didn't notice it, I guess. It, it, the way that I didn't know, the way that I did notice it wasn't like a super obvious kind of felt like there's a hole in my heart or something. <laughs> right. We are uh, speaking with Zach Buchanan, a beat writer for the Arizona Diamondbacks for The Athletic. Uh, we were talking about Zach Galen and how he may be missing time. Um, who, who's going to slot in there as the opening day starter? Have they have they mentioned uh, who they're going with? Uh, they haven't. They, they guard that secret like it's the, you know, the <laughs> keypad combination for Fort Knox. But... Um, I mean, there's no way it's not Madison Bumgarner. I think he's online to do it if you're counting five days out. Um, there was an argument for Gallon because he is their best pitcher. Um, but now that he is probably not available, 
I'm not sure there's an argument for anybody other than Madison Bumgarner, who is their most famous and most established pitcher. Right. Uh, how is how is Mad Bum uh, doing this spring? Is he is he? I mean, what has he worked on at all to to bounce back? He had a rough, he, rough he's, couple of years. He is doing he's doing better. Um, his velocity, his first start was back up to 91, 90. After you know, it was a big issue last year. He was down in the high 80s. Um, and then two weeks after that, or ten days after that, his, his philosophy was down a little bit, kind of eighty nine. Um, but he's also pitched in some B games on the backfields, where you know we're we're not getting velocity readings from that. But he he's looked pretty good. The shape of his of his secondary stuff is better. His command is better. He's he's not really getting hit around like he was all of last season. Uh, and he's he's working on adding kind of a little timing disruption to his game. He, he talked about watching Johnny Cueto in San Francisco and all the things Cueto does in his delivery to disrupt timing. So now Bumgarner is playing around with quick pitching a little more often, dropping down his arm slot, um, it's, which he hasn't really used in a Cactus League game yet. He's used it kind of on the backfields and B games to kind of experiment with. So we'll see if he sticks with it, but it could be an interesting element to add to his game. Madison Bumgarner, quick pitch. Are, are, are we going to get a shimmy, though? Are we going to get a shimmy from Madison? No, no shimmy. <laughs> I, I would be, be very surprised if we're going to get any shimmies from Madison. Oh, man, that would be that would be hilarious. That would have to go viral if, if Madison's shimmying on the mound. <laughs> that, would, that would be great. Um, switching on over to the uh, batting side, the, the offensive side of the Diamondbacks. Um, yesterday, Dalton Varsho, uh, and I think I'm pronouncing it right, uh, sh- were you shocked that he was uh, optioned down to AAA? No, no. I think everybody, first of all, you look at Dalton's batting line this spring, and it was not good. Um, if he came into spring in competition for some playing time, which it, nominally he did, especially after Cole Calhoun got hurt, um, it's pretty easy to say he did not step up to the moment at the plate. Um, he, he, had, he struggled all spring. Um but I, I also think that even if he had performed relatively well, there's a chance that this happening because uh, he is a catcher first and foremost. He, he's exciting because he can also play center field, which is an incredible skill set. But he didn't get to catch much last year. They did not have a minor leagues, obviously. Uh, and when he was in the majors, he was the third catcher on the team. So he wasn't getting a lot of time back there. He hasn't played a single uh, game of AAA baseball. He, he last played a full season. Uh, at double A. And so they really want to get him that time behind the plate. They think it's very important for his development. And uh, he was deprived of that last year. And he will not be deprived of it this year in triple A. And it's not to say he won't be in the big leagues at all. I think if he starts really hitting down there and they have a need up here, they will get him up here. But uh, they want him to get that, that time catching to make sure that that is his prime, his primary skill set is locked in because uh, he is so valuable to them with his ability to catch uh, and hit as a catcher. And if, if they can get that locked in, then he's going to be a big leader for a long time. So, so are they planning on switching him to a, to a catcher full-time then? Or, or, or is, uh, is, is catcher his primary uh, position? Catcher is his primary position. In AAA, at least, he will be catching most of the time and probably getting enough time in the outfield to feel fresh at doing it. Um, so if he were, he was in the, in the majors last year, just cause they had, uh, they had a need, um, he was playing a lot of outfield just cause that's where some of the opportunity was. 
Um, they already had Carson Kelly and Steven both the same catches they have this year. And so there, there just wasn't a way to elbow someone out and get some, some time behind the plate. So uh, they kind of went that route out of necessity, but it's not the ideal mix that they would like for him. And uh, further in the in the lineup, Eduardo Escobar, Christian Walker, uh, two guys that had really rough twenty uh, twenties. And I mean, it, it's a it's a sixty game season condensed, so uh, the numbers, you know, they obviously won't compare anything to two thousand nineteen. Uh, but Eduardo Escobar. Um, have you noticed anything different? Is he doing anything different to kind of get back to his 2019 form? Um, what have you noticed so far in, in the spring? Well, he, he showed up to camp 20 pounds lighter than he was last season. It is, you know, sometimes guys drop weight and you, you just kind of take their word for it. But with him, it's just very noticeable. He looks, he looks 10 years younger um, than he did a year ago. I've seen it show up in the field mostly. Uh, he's made some plays defensively. Not that he was a bad defender last year, but he's made some plays defensively that um, you can just see that he's more athletic doing it. He's going to play a little more second base this year, and he's gotten some balls that he wouldn't have gotten to last year. Um, at the plate, he looks he looks fine. He still has a habit of, of kind of swinging at the wrong pitches sometimes and not really having the, the approach you would want. Um even in 2019, he had that great first half, but in the second half, he had an on-base percentage of 280, which is is not what you're looking for. Even if you're going to be a guy that leans more on hitting for power than getting on base, you need to get that over 300. Um, and so that that's going to be a big thing to watch out for me. And it's a hard thing to gauge in spring training because sometimes the hitters going up there only working on one thing, or I'm going to go the other way on this pitch no matter what. Or and sometimes the pitcher's not you know, attacking the hitter like they would in the regular season. So I don't have a good feel for how his approach is this spring. But if he's going to be an impactful hitter for him, uh, he's going to have to be better at swinging at the right pitches. And uh, what about Christian Walker? Switching on over to uh, Christian Walker. He's starting to heat up a little bit uh, as we close out spring, right? He's been great. Um, he, I know you said he had a down year last year. If you look at, like, things like OPS plus, it really wasn't that down of a year. He's one of the more consistent hitters. Um, it, it it wasn't quite as noticeable a year as the 2019. He didn't for, hit for as many home runs, but uh, he was still hitting for a decent average, a decent on base, and a good amount of power. But this spring, he has looked really locked in. He's just hammering the ball. Uh, I, I think he might lead the squad in home runs this spring. Um, and he, he just he's a very smart hitter he knows who he is as a hitter he knows his swing uh he knows what pitches are trying to do to him there may be kind of an upper limit to his potential because he's already 29 you know he's 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 young and experienced but kind of old for a a major leaguer at this point well not old but middle-aged i guess um and so i'm not sure if he's got leaps and bounds left to accomplish in terms of what he can do at the plate but he is certainly a, a, an impactful major league hitter. Maybe not among the top 15 offensive first baseman you're going to have in baseball, but he's a, a valuable player and a very good defender over there at first as well. Final question for you, Zach, um, and, and we'll get you out of here. The the win totals, I don't know if you're a, a gambling man at all, but uh, the win totals they have for Arizona Diamondbacks at 75.5. You taking the over or the under on this uh, 2021 Diamondbacks team? 
You know, going into the season, I'm not a betting man. So, you know, please, if you're a betting person, take that, take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt because I'm not putting my money behind it. Um, but going the season, I would have bet the over that they would have been closer to a 500 team. If Zach Gallen is not going to be in this rotation for any significant period of time, I might take the under. Uh, you just can't lose your very best pitcher by a, by a mile for a good chunk of time and think that's not going to really affect how you perform on the field. Um, and there are other injuries, you know, missing Cole Calhoun hurts, although he's not going to be out for very long. It remains to be seen kind of the effect that Tyler Clifford will have losing him. He's shut down for at least six weeks and probably several more weeks after that while he has to build back up from no throwing whatsoever. Uh, it leaves their bullpen really in flux. It was already going to be a very young bullpen to begin with. So how much can you trust that? So there's a lot of ifs with this team, far more ifs than there are kind of certain answers. That gallon was one of those certain answers. He was going to be good. And now you've got to move him over to the if column, which is unfortunate. And it, it doesn't help to have uh, the Padres and the Dodgers in the division either. So that that, uh, <laughs> that makes things more difficult as well. But thank you, Zach, for coming on. Uh, I really appreciate it. Good luck uh, this season covering the Diamondbacks. And we'll talk to you down the line, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And again, that was Zach Buchanan of The Athletic, beat writer for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And go ahead and give him a follow on Twitter at ZH Buchanan to get all of your up-to-date needs for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And definitely, you got to follow the storyline of Zach Gallen. Uh, got to find out what's going on with him with that forearm issue. I am very intrigued as to when he's able to come back because I have him in fantasy and I need that guy to be successful this year. Uh, but I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Zach. I sure did. Great guy out there in the desert. We'll definitely uh, try to tap in with him during the regular season to see how Madison Bumgarner is doing, how the Diamondbacks are doing, and just how he's doing, how everybody's doing out there in the desert. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Hope you guys are ready for more baseball talk coming up next week. Uh, and we'll get into the countdown to the regular season because, yes, we are about a week away um, from opening day. It is crazy to think that opening day is a week from today, the day that I'm recording, Thursday morning, um, a week from today. So by the time you're listening to this, we'll be under a week, under a week into getting to opening day. And I can't wait, but we still got a lot to get into before then. So you guys get ready for next week. Going to have a lot of content and talk to you next time. Hope you guys stay safe, be healthy. Talk to you then.